Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Listening to Rum Buncher Radio, episode number 43. This is going to be one of our, our favorite styles of episodes, guys. We're opening up the mailbag again here, answering your questions from social media. We have a whole lot of questions in this go round. Excited to talk about Adam Frazier, talk about if we're going to add any veterans to the team before spring training. Some other moves, maybe get into a little bit of salary cap talk as well. A lot to cover tonight. Guys, how are you doing since the last time we met? I'm doing pretty good. You know, my house had its second run around with COVID since the last time we've met. Um, fortunately, since I was able to get vaccinated for work, I had no symptoms, but uh, my wife had it decently hard, but she's doing better. And I was back to work today. So slowly but surely here in the Leap household, we are getting back to normal after our second battle with COVID. Things are good my way. Uh, you know, just been trying to get through this winter. It's been pretty tough couple weeks here with the weather and just you know how february just can drag on so you know we're looking forward to spring and you know my spring training here we are we are we are here finally thankfully getting close to it at least uh now within a month it's really the dog days of winter as they call it i don't know if they call it that but i'm gonna go with that one this is that time of the year where it gets a little bit dreary out it's cold weather we're just trying to make it through this off season uh, but like I said, guys, a lot to talk about tonight. Before we get to that, have to tell you about our friends at Manscaped. They support Rum Buncher Radio and all kinds of excellent podcasts on our fan-sided network. And they're the best in below-the-waist grooming as well. They offer precision-engineered tools for the family jewels. You're going to want to protect those guys. They obsess over their technology, their developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. You don't want to take the, the typical razor down there, the, the new age electronic razor. Don't do that. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they've just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Guys, this is their third generation trimmer. It features features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents 
thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology provided to you by Manscaped. Guys, this thing's waterproof. It is the coolest razor that's ever been invented. It has LED lights on it that illuminate grooming areas, 7,000 RPM motor technology, and all kinds of bells and whistles. You're going to want to get your hands on this, guys. And you can get it for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code RUMBUNTERRADIO at manscaped.com. Guys, your balls will thank you. To start tonight's episode, there was a few questions about a player that we've been talking about for quite some time. Now, a guy that we all expected to be well removed from Pittsburgh by now, but he's still on the team, and some people want to know why. Uh, guys, Adam Frazier, this has been a, a hot name in this organization for quite some time, especially this offseason, really these last few offseasons in the trade deadline, but he has not been traded yet. Uh, you know, a lot of the questions, I won't read them verbatim on Twitter, you know, we're just simply, why is he still around? You know, what's what's the idea here, and will he be traded before spring training 2021? Marty, you want to get us started with this one? Yeah, I think the biggest point of it is Adam Frazier is still here because Ben Charrington hasn't found a trade yet that he thinks is a fair return for Frazier. If there's one thing we have learned about Ben Charrington in his little over full count year on the job now, it's that he's not – going to make a trade just to make a trade. If, if Charrington swings a deal, he's getting the return he likes. We saw with Josh Bell. We saw with Joe Musgrove. We most certainly saw with Jameson Tyone, which is looking like a better and better trade by the day. But um, I, I still I still do not think Frazier starts the year on this roster. The Pirates have a log jam in the middle infield. You know, I know they want to see what Cole Tucker can do. You want to see if Newman can bounce back offensively, and you probably want to put him at second base where he's much better off defensively. And then even just looking a year or so down the road, you know, you have Nick Gonzalez coming, you have Lavero Paguero coming. These guys are the future of the middle infield. I will be very surprised. Even though, honestly, I'm surprised he's not been traded yet, I will be very surprised if Adam Frazier is still here on opening day. Yeah, Marty, I mean – in terms of Adam Frazier, I've probably wrote upwards of close to 10 articles outlining rumors and potential trade destinations and, you know, reasons as to why Adam Frazier makes sense to trade. And here we are uh, over a year later um, when these rumors have really started. So, like you said, it's it's surprising he's still here, and I, I don't think he will be here through um, spring training. You know, one thing we've learned over the last couple off seasons, especially, is that teams are waiting more longer and longer to make deals. Um, you know, this off season obviously was had a lot of other things going on, but just in general, the baseball off season has started to really slow down. Uh, teams are holding out, trying to get uh, better deals by forcing players into kind of that corner of, hey, spring training starting and you don't have a contract yet. So I do uh, think and wonder, I should say, how much of Charrington is, like you said, holding out to make sure he gets the right return. He knows there's going to be a roster flurry. You can kind of see it's already started the last couple of days. There's a lot of moves being made. Uh, there's going to be a lot of players being removed from 40-man rosters. Um, there's going to be players being added to 40-man rosters. So I really think, you know, this could be a, a potential, hey, wait and let's wait for all the smoke to clear and kind of reevaluate, 
you know, mid-spring training, who, who still needs that second baseman, that utility lefty off the bench, who lost maybe their starting second baseman from an injury in spring training, whatever, something like that. Uh, you know, I think that's exactly at this point what they're aiming for, and I think it's because of what Marty said, that the value just hasn't been met, and Charrington's not going to just trade. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, this team's not going to settle. Ben Charrington's not going to settle for a deal that he doesn't think is fit for Adam Frazier because he sees value in Adam Frazier, and there is value in Adam Frazier, but just not for this team. It doesn't make sense with the layout of the current organization. So I'm with you guys. I think Adam Frazier will be traded before spring training when he sees the right deal for him, uh, but we will have to see. Let's keep it in the middle infield for our second question. At Mr. Goodstuff23 wants to know, does it make sense? Does it make the most sense for O'Neill Cruz to make the transition to first base, considering the depth we now have at outfield and at shortstop and second base in the minors? I would hate to see his cannon of an arm go to waste, though, uh, which makes me think he'll start in right field. What do you guys think? Nick, why don't you get us started with this one? Does it make sense for O'Neill Cruz to uh, move over to first base, uh, you know, or somewhere else? Um, For me, no. Not right now. The Pirates do not have their future shortstop yet as far as i'm concerned uh you know we've outlined some things with kevin newman um needing to bounce back and maybe being better profiled for second base cole tucker you know very gifted in the infield but has yet to show anything offensively when you're looking at the pirates minor league system um You know, really, O'Neill Cruz is is their top shortstop prospect right now. I mean, unless you're considering Nick Gonzalez uh, a shortstop, which I know he's worked, you know, has worked out there some, but um, it, it's not like they exactly have someone who's like I can't move from that position right now. So for me. I am not ready to move him from the position from all accounts. Um, he has actually graded out pretty well down there. According to evaluators, they, they're very surprised with how well he can handle the position. So I'm not moving him until I have to, I understand the, the urgency, but really for um, Arneal Cruz, the biggest thing is for him is going to be his bat uh, and having him comfortable in the minor leagues playing a position he's familiar with actually might be the better thing in the long run because it will allow him to continue focusing on developing you know, that potential 35-10 run power. Certainly, Marty, do you see O'Neill Cruz getting moved anywhere? I, I'm with you, Nick. I think that, uh, you know, as of right now, that position is up for grabs, and O'Neill Cruz is probably the leading candidate. I'm not saying O'Neill Cruz gets moved right now. That said, I do not believe O'Neill Cruz's long term home is a shortstop, unless I, I think some things have to go wrong. Um, I think Cole Tucker is still going to be given every opportunity in the world to prove he can be an everyday shortstop. And if he can come out and prove that with the glove, I think that that impacts Cruz. I also think if Paguero continues to perform like the top 100 prospects that some places have him as, 
And you look at him as your shortstop of the future. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is he's an X factor in this, but I was also looking at his age. You know. I mean, I think this year, I think you could see Cruz as shortstop because I do think we could see Cruz in the majors this year. But I think if Tucker comes out and Tucker's giving you a quality shortstop yeah. defense. Yeah. And now part of, part of this with me as well is I think one thing a lot of people don't realize with the Pirates or whatever it is, the outfield situation is not good on this team. You know, <clears throat> Brian Reynolds. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to circle back to that too, Marty. You can go ahead for sure. That's where I think you could see Cruz in right field this year because, I mean, in left field, you, I, I think Reynolds is going to be okay. I think last year is going to prove to be a bit of an aberration, especially when you look back. It was only – he only played, what, 50 games or whatever. You know, in a normal season, he would have 100 games to get things together. I think Reynolds will be okay, but – Man, the rest of that outfield, I like the Brian Goodwin signing, but he's not a long-term guy. You know, right field, Gregory Polanco's under contract for three or more years, but who knows what the hell you're going to get out of Polanco. So, I, I – Yeah, but they also have an option on Polanco this year, and this is probably it so for Exactly. If Polanco comes out this year performs well and you don't trade him, he might be here long-term, but more than likely – And if he doesn't perform well, they'll just let go. Exactly. So, I, I so O'Neill Cruz for right field makes a lot yeah, of sense. Especially with his arm. I think there's there's a real possibility yeah, I mean, that I think the, 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 the opening day outfield in 2022 from left to right is Reynolds, Travis Swaggerty, and O'Neill Cruz. And, of course, you know, all that considered, obviously – you know, we've discussed this before about O'Neill Cruz and having to have a position change. And first base, to answer, you know, the question here, first base very much is going to limit his overall um, athleticism. It's also, you know, I, I say caution a little bit with, uh, oh, like, just stick him at first base. We've seen how many uh, – players where we've said that now just stick them at first base and they haven't been able to handle the position so i'm not ready for that i mean i'm not saying o'neill cruz couldn't handle first base but you know it can be a trickier position than people think he's an athlete allow him to use that athleticism put him in right field um gregory polanco will likely be out of here one way or another uh within this calendar year Yes, stick him in first base, in my opinion, is about the laziest cop-out in all of baseball. Um, Like you said, Nick, first and foremost, not everyone can handle it. We saw that with Pedro Alvarez. And also, this is not a knock on Pedro at all, but O'Neill Cruz is not Pedro Alvarez. O'Neill Cruz is a good athlete. He has a terrific arm, which I understand Alvarez had, but Cruz has footwork and athleticism Cruz and the ability. Shortstop. The issue is he's six seven, and it's hard to operate that position being that big. But yes, he does it well for being that big. Absolutely, like there, like you said, he he has exceeded expectations in the minor the shortstop at his size. It's an interesting conversation, and, you know, I I think there's a lot of options. That's the thing about O'Neill Cruz, and that was one of the reasons that it hurt so bad to see that news breaking this past year, you know, with everything happening down in the Dominican Republic. Uh, And, you know, what made it such a relief to hear that that was really a farce and O'Neill Cruz would be able to stay with the organization. Uh, You know, a lot of minor leaguers are being talked about right now with the Pirates organization because there's just so much young talent 
we've seen this this group of prospects been able to climb the ranks overall throughout the league. Uh, and, you know, it's going to make for a very interesting spring training. Several fans want to know, you know, what what is this spring training going to look like? What is this season going to look like? How early do we see, uh, you know, these prospects get called up? And, and who do we see first? Uh, kind of combining some Twitter questions here. Um, you know, I guess to kind of ask, when do we see the prospects? Who will it be? And, and what's it going to make spring training look like? Um, the spring training aspect, and this is something I, I read, wrote about earlier in the offseason, I think this spring training can be a lot of fun because there's a lot of guys who are part of the Pirates' future who are going to be part of the next window of competition that – or con- next window of contention, excuse me. They're going to be in spring training with the Major League Camp. You know, Swaggerty, Cruz, Cody Bolton, G1 Bay, Paguero, Brennan Malone, Candace Smith and Jigba, a lot of guys, Miguel Yahura, a lot of guys who are going to be big parts of their future who we're going to see in spring – I think that'll make for a really fun spring training. I mean, I think spring training is going to be fun regardless. It always is. It's great to have baseball back. It's great to have the over. And especially this year, it's going to be great to see fans in the stands again and just start to slowly but surely kind of get that sense of normalcy back. But from a pure baseball standpoint, it's going to be great for the Pirates because there's a lot of guys who are going to be key cogs the next time they want to contend. So we're going to get a good look at this spring. And as for who we see first, <clears throat> um, I fully expect to see both Cody Bolton and Travis Swaggerty this season. I think there's a good shot we see O'Neill Cruz as well. I'd also throw Miguel Yahura in there, but I think Yahura is a little bit different because he has made his major league debut with the Yankees. Um, if I had to guess who we see first, I'd probably guess Yahura just because I think there's a legitimate shot he could make the rotation out of spring training. And if he doesn't, he could be the first man up in terms of starting pitchers from AAA. But in terms of guys who haven't played the majors yet, if I had to take a guess, we see first, I'd guess Bolton, because you're always going to need pitching. Um, had there been a minor league, a full regular season last year at the minors, it was probably a pretty good shot we would have seen Bolton last year. So I, I think John Lillian Bolton would be the first two up to the uh, major league roster in terms of top prospects this season. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Marty, on all accounts. I'm very excited for spring training. I was talking to a coworker today, and you know, he he was telling me that last couple of years, just like most just fans, he's kind of started to fade away from the team. But you know, when they started making moves last year, he saw that all right, maybe maybe they're trying to change something, and now he sees you know the plan that's been put in place, and he's back on board. So he's very excited to watch spring training as well. He's excited to see a lot of these young guys we've been hearing about. And, you know, this year with spring training and uh, supposed to be televised more than ever this year. So we should get a good opportunity to see these guys um, play. And, you know, it's really going to give fans something that they haven't had in the past. I mean, our top prospects, they would use them in spring training, but you know, it's almost like this spring training is going to be more about the top prospects than it is about the major league roster. And I, you know, it's nothing against the major league roster, but you know, with the plan that's been put in place here, you know, those are the guys that we're going to be paying attention to. And you know, we could see the season turn into that as well as it as it you know moves on, depending on how the Pirates do. Um, you know, I think we certainly see a good bit of prospects come up uh, near the end of the year. You know, 
at least some of the ones we've been very excited to, to see these last several seasons. Um, you know, talking about prospects, there's a lot of guys the Pirates are waiting on, but there's some major league holes as well. Uh, sorry. There's some major league holes as well. Corey Quagledia at CoreBoyQ wants to know, with a vacant hole at first base, what's our best option? With the position being thin with, via free agency, he looks at Jed uh, Yurko here, and he talks about him having a decent year in 2020. He had a war of 0.8. He had nine bombs. He drove in 17 runs and posted the third highest career OBP uh, of 0.333. He wants to know our thoughts on this, um, you know, if he's a viable option or if there's any other pieces the Pirates could maybe sign here in free agency uh, with that first base hole, or maybe if they just decide to stick it out with Colin Moran. Uh, for me, I mean, Colin Moran is going to be the opening day first baseman. He earned that job uh, last season, if not the season before that, too. I mean, he's been one of the team's most consistent hitters over the last season and a half. And, you know, that's pretty much why they traded Josh Bell is because they put, they didn't have room for both of them on the roster without this designated hitter. So in terms of the bats for first base, I – I'd plan on Colin Moran getting a majority of them. Uh, you will have Philip Evans there to spell him as a right-hander. I don't hate the idea of Jed Jerko. I'd like the concept of bringing him in very similar to the Brian Godwin signing, uh, Brian Goodwin, excuse me, signing, that, you know, you look at a veteran player who has a pretty good track history, but with the minor uh, – the major league free agency the way it is. It's kind of, he's a player who's looking at just trying to get a contract at this point and might be willing to take a little less and come here, play, and then hopefully become a trade deadline piece. So I, I don't hate the idea of looking at Jericho, but I also, you know, the, the first base situation to me is, is pretty locked in at this point. Yeah, I agree. First base is pretty locked in with Colin Moran. Um, it might not be a terrible idea to look for a platoon partner for Moran, but at the same time, I also like the idea of giving him a whole season against lefties and see what he can do. Um, I mean, Moran's career numbers against left-handed pitching is not terrible. <clears throat> the, the way you would think it might be, because it, the Pirates have always really protected Moran against lefties. You know, a lot of pinch hitting late in games, not having him starting and stuff left handed pitching. But, you know, in his career, Moran's been okay against lefties. I would like to see what he can do for a full season against them. So I, I'm all on board with Moran at first. I also think one thing with Moran to keep in mind is last year, you know, he was in the 87th percentile baseball and barrel rate. 89 percent down exit velocity, 86 percent down hard hit rate. He crushed the ball, you know, for the first time, really since he had that eye injury with the Astros. He looked like the guy in the Marlins who looked at six overall pick in the draft. I think there's a lot of untapped potential there with Moran, and I know a lot of people may disagree with me on this one, but considering that if you look through the Pirates minor league system, the one position that is a bit of a question mark in first base. Excuse me. I'm not nearly as high on Mason Martin as some others. I think uh, Mason Martin is going to prove to be Pedro Alvarez 2.0. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Moran comes out and hits again this season the way he did last season. You could potentially look to see the Pirates 
dabble with the idea of maybe looking to extend land and making a building block along with Brian Hayes moving forward. You know, I low-key thought he could have been an extension candidate this offseason with the way they've cleared money and with Polanco most likely coming off the books this year. I looked at it as kind of that one year maybe too early, but you take that risk to try to get him a little lower now type of deal. But, yeah, I agree. I, Moran, for me, he's done enough that he's got to have as much of an opportunity at first base and really – he did nothing last year that would tell me that he can't handle the position or the, you know, put the production up that would be expected from the position. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at, you look at Colin Moran at first base, I mean, defensively, you know, he, he's never going to be Mark Grace over there or anything, but he's not, he's not Josh Bell. He's not Pedro Alvarez. He's going to at least give you adequate defense and even if you look at his career numbers, I mean, since he's come to Pittsburgh, he's been a slightly above average hitter in his career. You know, he, he's earned the right to be given that everyday look at this point. Slightly above average with an upward there. Yeah, exactly. He's trending upward last year. He that started power. the power, even in 2019 to an extent. You know, his, his isolated power jumped 22 points from 18 to 19. And last year at if Bolton lived at 225, his slugging was all up over 470. Like, like you said, Nick, his arrow is trending upward. He's still only 28. In theory, he's just now entering the prime of his career. Colin Moran has done everything you could expect of him to earn the opportunity to come out every day at first base and see if you, like we've said, potentially have a long-term building block in Moran. Yeah, it's, it's why not? I mean, the dude – you said it best, Nick. He didn't do anything this past year to, to suggest that he's not capable. He's more than capable. This is a dude that was taken in the top 10 picks uh, of his draft year and, you know, has maybe not lived up to that quite yet necessarily, but we've seen the signs. And Colin Moran was part of that. Hey, Gary. not to be cliche, but we've seen it before, right? Exactly. Like some, there's just some players that takes a little longer. And in, the, in the, this day and age, in baseball, we have so many young superstars, but 10 years ago, like this wasn't, this wouldn't have been that out of the ordinary. Now, one thing that a lot of people have said, and I agree with to an extent, is your Mike Trout, your Bryce Harpers, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, they, they've ruined the expectations for so many guys because so many people anymore expect these top prospects they view at 20. 21 years old and beat studs. You know, even if you go back to McCutcheon to an extent when he debuted at an early age and was just very clearly the best player on the field most nights. Like, guys like that taint what most people think a baseball prospect should be. Most guys debut at 23, 24, take your lump for a year or two, and around 26, 27, like Moran – really start to put it together and have that five, six, seven-year tear where they're at the peak of their career. And I just think that a lot of people lost sight of that. And like you said, Nick, 10 years ago, I felt like people would be talking about Colin Moran as this budding potential star with Pirates, this potential power hitter, middle of the line of building block type of guy. And, you know, just some guys take longer than others. And we're seeing, I mean, 
the stick with the pirates is an example. Look at Garrett Jones when he finally That's got so into I almost brought his name up, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, after being blocked by another former pirate and Justin Morneau for all those years in Minnesota, finally gets an opportunity with Pittsburgh. And, you know, while Garrett Jones is never going to be some great hitter or anything like that, he was an above average hitter for four or five years to Pirates and helped lead them to the postseason a couple times. Like, some guys just take longer than others to develop. Exactly. And you don't need Colin Moran to be your star. Like you're saying, he can be a Garrett Jones, and that could be all this team needs out of Colin Moran and, and consistency. Colin Moran is the type of guy you can tell that feeds off of getting consistency. Pirates are going to look to get him some consistency, more consistency, and he's going to have the opportunity here now that Josh Bell is in D.C. Um, you know, we'll see how the, the infield shakes out. Uh, it's looking pretty set in stone for opening day, at least at this point. <clears throat> the pitching rotation, though, is definitely still a question mark. There's names that the Pirates, um, you know, could put down on paper right now to, to be the starting five. Uh, but let me find this tweet, sorry. But at Nick Sundo wants to know, do you think the Pirates will still go get a veteran starting pitcher here in free agency before spring training? Uh, we'll combine this with another question as well. Let's say they don't do that, or if they do, is J.D. Brubaker uh, a legitimate back-of-the-end rotation starter? Nick, why don't you get us started with this one? For me, J.T. Brubaker very much deserves the chance at this rotation. Right now, just looking at the rotation, I think he should have a spot, but I can kind of see where he wouldn't. Um, I guess Keller, Yahure, Brault, Cole, who am I missing? That's everyone. So, yeah, that, that to me, Brubaker is definitely the lead horse for that spot. Will they bring in a veteran? If they do, I don't expect it to be someone who's going to, you know, walk in and eat up a mid-rotation spot. It's going to be maybe, a you know, a step above a Derek Holland, but a, probably a veteran who – a minor league deal and – you know, they'll see if he plays into the rotation or the bullpen type of thing. I wouldn't expect them to go out and get someone big. But with that being said, there's still the very good possibility that they trade uh, either Chad Cole or Stephen Brault. I kind of hope they do. That way they can definitely get um, JT Brubaker into the rotation. But, you know, we'll see, obviously, how spring plays out. You can never have too much pitching depth and the same can be said even for a bad team like the Pirates uh, you know if they see a couple injuries crop up uh, that can obviously put things on halt yeah I'm with you Nick on kind of hoping they move Cole or Brawl um, but for me it's a little bit of a reason I think Brubaker you and I Brubaker's guy we disagree on I know you like him as a starter I think he's on their home in the bullpen but based off last year he uh it should 100% be in the rotation to start the year. Again, kind of like Colin Moran. He did nothing last year to not earn that. Uh, I mean, he was like basically their best pitcher yeah, last year. Yeah, he was against Kansas City at starting. He gave up like nine or ten runs. And his year – Yeah, he had a tough. bad one, yeah. Like, he was solid. But um, the reason I would like to see when those guys moved is, you know, you look right now, Mitch Keller is going to be in the rotation. I think J.T. Baker's in there. And then Jack Cole and Stephen Brock. Well, that fifth spot, I still think they'll bring somebody in, like you said, a Derek Holland type, a Jordan Lyles type, 
someone that looked the fourth in July, as much for depth as anything. But you know, you look at some of the guys that brought in this offseason. I'd like to see what Will Crow can do as a starter. I'd like to see what Miguel Yahoo can do. I'm I'm super high on Miguel Yahoo. I'm going to be beating that drum for a long time. So everybody get ready, get used to hearing it because I think Miguel Yahoo is a future stud in this rotation for Pirates. But to go back to that, you know, you want to bring in that depth because you want, you know, you look at Yahoo, you look at Cody Golden, guy we've talked about. If you want them at AAA to start the year, you don't want to have to call them up until you think they're ready. So that's why you want to go out and add that depth piece. So if you have an injury or whatever, you have a little more cushion there where you don't have to go to one of those guys before you think they're ready. Um, push come to shove, you know, I'm thinking when the season starts, I still think Brawl will be here. I think Kim Keller, Brubaker are in this rotation. I think they bring someone in. And in that fifth spot, I think it depends. I think if Cole moves, they'll blend the door for Will Crow. If Chad Cole is not moved, I think he claims that number five spot. And we probably see – I still think Will Crow starts here in the majors. But more is that long man, that swing man, you know. A role we've seen in the past from – Jennifer Gomez, from Jonathan Sanchez, from Juan Nicasio, guys like that. Yeah, we'll see. You know, an innings eater, flip piece kind of guy would would make really the only bit of sense here if they were going to get a veteran. And I, I think it's going to happen um, like we saw with Holland last year. Uh, but, you know, the Pirates have a little bit of time to work with. They're going to have to make a move here rather quick before spring training. Let's keep with the arms. Let's move to the bullpen, though. Robert Bishop at BreadGuy44. Love the Twitter name there. He wants to know, is David Bednar going to be a 7th, 8th, or ninth inning guy? This was part of the Joe Musgrove trade uh, in this past month. New to the organization, what do you guys see in David Bednar's future here in 2021 with the Pirates? Marty, you had the article on it. You want to get us started with this one? I wrote about him this week on runmonder.com. Go ahead and check it out for some more details. Um, He's also a cool story because he's a Mars Township native, so he's a Pittsburgh-area guy who grew up watching the Pirates, so I'm sure he's excited to be back with his hometown team. Um, he's got a three-pitch mix. His fastball had a 19% whiff rate in 2019, and last season that jumped all the way up to 29%. His velocity also saw a little bit of an uptick last year from 95.3 miles an hour to 96 miles an hour. Um, he also throws a curveball and a splitter, and the splitter is an interesting pitch to me because you don't see a lot of split-fingered fastballs in baseball anymore. In his career, he's thrown 29 splitters. I mean, it's a very small sample size in the majors, but he's thrown 29 split finger fastball in two seasons at the majors, he's allowed seven singles and gotten 12 strikeouts. So the pitch definitely has a lot of potential. Um, Bednar struggled with the home run ball with the Padres, but you need to also take into consideration that he's only pitched 17 and third innings. And also his batting average on balls in play was 340. Um, for those who don't know, league average on batting average on balls in play is 300. So a number of 340 indicates that Bednar has really been burned by a lot of bad defense and or luck with San Diego. And, you know, with the Pirates this year, I think one thing the Pirates will be very good at is playing defense, especially if they do move Trager and are able to get Newman at second base off shortstop. So I, I think that'll help him. And I do think that Bednar is a guy who – you know, I think he'll be in the opening day bullpen. I think you'll see him start in the middle relief role. But I think by the end of the year, it's there's definitely a scenario where you see Bednar as probably not the closer. You know, this is a conversation for another day, but if I was a betting man, I'd bet on Blake Searland being the closer by the end of the season. But I definitely think you can see Bednar pitching in the seventh or eighth inning and being one of Derek Sheldon's go-to guys in high-leverage situations. 
Yeah, I think he'll be placed into a role immediately this year. I look at him as being what Kyle Crick could have been for the Pirates. Just a solid, maybe not a closer, but just, you know, a solid, reliable, like I said, a seventh, probably an eighth inning guy. He'll definitely have that opportunity. But there's going to be a couple, like you said, obviously, Cedarland, good chance to be the closer, but there's other pitchers in the mix. Uh, for that eighth inning and seventh inning job. But Bednar definitely has the stuff. And at this point, um, you know, a little bit of a step in terms of experience to to start the year in the bullpen. And to me, he, he should at least start, hopefully, if he performs well in the spring with that seventh inning job. Can you hear me out here in Bednar, Nick? Because I think you made a good point on a guy who – it's probably never your permanent closer. They can pitch a lot of good high leverage situations right into Tony Watson. You know, you need those guys to get the ball to your Melanson's and to your Grillies, which moving forward, you know, might be to get the ball to Nick Mears, to Blake Searland, to Luis Oviedo, whoever it might be. You need those solid six, seventh inning guys. And I think Bednar, that's where his future is with the Pirates. And that's a very valuable piece to have because, you know, you look at there's a lot of really good baseball teams and the 2014 Pittsburgh Pirates are an example of this. A lot of really good baseball teams who get undone by terrible middle relief. So having those guys who can get you out of the jam in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning are key to have. They really are. They really are. I like it. Right-handed Tony Watson, uh, who was such a crucial part of those teams, and Bednar could do the same. It's what I really liked about this uh, this piece in the deal as well. He was so much more major league ready. Uh, awesome to see the, the amount of prospects and young talent coming in, but good to see a guy that can contribute for the Pirates uh, this season. The Pirates will have the number one overall pick in this year's draft. It's looking like Kumar Rocker. Some other names uh, you know, we can discuss at a later time as we get closer to that, but after they make that first overall selection, what do you guys see them doing next? Dominique Kern at Kern Dominique wants to know, after the first overall pick, uh, what position? should the Pirates look at next? Nick, uh, why don't you get us started with this one? So one thing I'll say, obviously, is especially in the baseball draft, you can't really think about position when drafting. Um, beyond just trying to project these guys long term, you know, it's it, that's hard enough to do. So you're trying to get just the guys that you think are going to be, you know, major leaguers one day. But also with baseball's, um, for lack of a better term, salary cap in the draft, um, it, that kind of affects the way you're going to draft also. You're not going to necessarily – sometimes you're going to take certain players at certain picks to save money they use elsewhere. So that's really what you'll be looking at. And that second pick – is exactly what you'll have to consider there. You know, like you said, Kumar Rocker, very likely going to be the first pick. He is a college pitcher. Um, so obviously there's leverage there to use, but he also, of course, has the option to return to school with all athletes big, being um, given a free year of eligibility. So, that is a little bit of a wild card in that situation where he could use that and leverage for contract negotiations. But let's just pretend he'll probably be around what he's projected his projected slot bonus would be. That leaves the Pirates a lot of options with that second pick. 
they can get creative. They have, they will have the largest um, salary pool to use this year in the draft. And as always, they will use up every bit of it and over at least the 5% probably for the tax threshold. Um, so I'm looking at probably an upside high school player with that second pick. Ben Charrington doesn't like to take a ton of high school players, which is why I imagine taking a college player with the first pick will put him in a position to get creative and aggressive with that second pick. If there's a high school person on the board that he likes there, um, that's what I'm looking at. So a couple names to throw at you in terms of high school. The first is Braden Montgomery. He's a right-handed pitcher. You know, he he's your prototypical right-handed pitcher. He's standing at six foot two, uh, two hundred pounds. So he's got a good frame that you look for. He has a low nineties fastball already, and you know you're looking at a plus uh, curveball and a plus changeup. The big thing with him is he's very athletic. Uh, he plays uh, in the field as well, and it's considered you know, a pretty good hitter. And that's one reason why I think Parrington could look at him. Charrington likes highly athletic players uh, in the draft. For him, he's ranked 36 on fan graphs right now. Um, I look at also in the high school rank, ranks, Max Muncy. He's a shortstop who's kind of climbing the ranks. And once again, if you've been paying attention to Pirates offseason, players at this front office targets or people who have up arrows. Um, Muncie right now is ranked around 50 or so on Baseball America and MLB Pipeline. Kylie McDaniel of ESPN actually noted him as a player to watch as to enter his top 50 as the spring goes on. You're looking at a six foot, 170 pound uh, middle infielder who has a very consistent swing, uh, has a very good launch angle. And as he fills out, you know, you're looking at a potential 2020 type hitter. Um, you know, just a, just kind of a guy that I think would interest Charrington just because he kind of has that upper trajectory and could be a aggressive pick. Uh, in in that second round. Now, it's one thing I will say is it's as of now the the draft is yet to be set. I know it's pretty much finished up with qualifying offers and everything, but they haven't um, you know officially announced anything yet. So in terms of hey, this is the final draft, or so we'll see how that plays out. But looking at that second overall pick, I think high school makes sense. Of course, there is the college players, um, but you know that conversation is for another time. Um, you know that Charrington really looks at college players, and so that's something that I'll I need more time to spend on uh, than to just answer this question. So I would say look for them to look at a high school player with that second pick at least. With that second pick, I actually – I'm going to go to the college ranks here. Um, the three of us talked about this off-air before we started. 
<clears throat> Gunnar Hoglund out of Ole Miss. Um, Pirates drafted him in 2018 out of high school, offered him a $2 million signing bonus. Multiple outlets reported that Hoglund was going to sign with the Pirates, and then one day he just showed up in class at University of Mississippi. Um, Hoglund was a pitcher I absolutely loved in that draft. I thought Hoglund could have been the best player of the, dra- the Pirates got in that draft. He's a guy I'm very high on. Um, Fangrass has him ranked as the 34th best prospect in the draft this summer. If Hogland is there, I would love to see the Pirates take him. One one thing I always go back to, and you know, I, I would be willing to bet if you could talk to Neil Huntington right now, he would tell you he kicks himself over it. The Pirates originally drafted Walker Bueller out of high school. He chose to go to college. Coming out of college, when the Pirates picked with their compensation pick, Bueller was still there. They did not take him, and the Dodgers took him a few picks later. I've like I said, if you could talk to Nolington right now, I guarantee you he would tell you he regrets not taking Bueller that second time around. And even though Huntington was the one who drafted Hogland, not Charrington, I would hate to see the Pirate organization make that same mistake again. <clears throat> Excuse me, with not taking him when he's on the board with that second pick. He's just he's a pitcher I'm very high on. I would love to see it. So Hopefully, he, he's a guy to watch. Yeah, and Hog- also, if you want if, if I can say, I yeah, I would love that pick as well. I think I agree with you. That was a big miss. And quite honestly, um, you know, it's really hard to say who's going to be available when they pick, too. So it's... And to, to go high school route, one guy I would say to watch, um, in-state guy, Lonnie White Jr. out of Malvern Prep High School here in Pennsylvania. Um, he's a freak athlete. Pretty much every MLB draft site has him as a top 50 prospect. Um, he recently signed to play football at Penn State. He's a top 100 prospect in football to play wide receiver for the Nittany Lions. Um, the Penn State fan of me hopes he sticks to that and plays wide receiver for the Nittany Lions. If he does not, I hope it's the part to draft him because I think White could be absolute, could be an absolute stud in center field and has shown a lot of power potential in showcases in showcases in recent months. So I that, those are just things for me to watch. You know, if you go the college route, watch Gunnar Hoglund pitcher out of Ole Miss. If you go the high school route, watch for Lonnie White Jr. outfield out of Melbourne Prep High School here in Pennsylvania. And like I said, White is currently committed to Penn State to play wide receiver for the football team as well as play outfit for the new line baseball team. There you go, Marty. A little twofer for you. Penn State guy, maybe a pirate. I love it. Uh, you know, maybe he could go like, do both. If, if Penn State's going to miss out on a top wide receiver who they've got committed, the only way I can swallow that pill is if he gets drafted by the Bucs. So I got I to gotta hope for the best because, let's be honest, push come to show, that $2 million signing bonus comes calling and stuff to turn that down. So Yeah. No, I, I I think uh it's it's hard for any athlete to look at that and say no, but you never know, man. Maybe he'll go play for Penn State, have an awesome career there. The Pirates Pirates are gonna draft him after that, and you can uh you can see him play for both. But uh, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. There is a lot of talent in this year's draft and um you know, we're gonna continue to get content out on that as we get closer, forecasting some things, talking about who we think is gonna go where. Uh and and so much content out as well, guys, right now. Articles on potential free agent signings, uh, an article out right now on Jared Hughes. And, you know, before we get out of here, Marty and Nick, I want to talk about that for just a second. His legacy, uh, as he announced he would be retiring this week, such a vital part 
of that of that run there from 2013 to 2015. Uh, sad to see that he will no longer be part of a game, but you got to feel so happy for the guy now getting to look ahead towards retirement. Absolutely. Um, Jared Hughes was quietly a key component in the Pirates making the postseason three years in a row there in 13, 14, and 15. Um, anyone who watched those teams will tell you a big reason why they won what was the 95, 88, 98 games was the bullpen was just so damn good. And Hughes was a big part of that. And Jared, I mean, on the mound, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more intense competitor in any sport than Jared Hughes. But off the mound, he was a nice team being in the world. Um, I can attest to that. There was one night <clears throat> prior to a game at PNC Park, my dad and I were kind of him on around outside, having a beer or two for inside. And Jared Hughes was finishing up his pregame running out on the Riverwalk. And he sat there and talked to me for 10 minutes like we'd known each other forever. He's an awesome human being, and I have no doubts he's going to enjoy every second retirement. And, you know, good for Hughes to put together the career he did where for four or five years there, he was very quietly one of the best right-handed relievers in the National League, and he got to play in the playoffs three years as a result. He did, and there's really no understating, you know, the, the sleepy role that he had on that team and how important it was. Without that bullpen, the Pirates would not have had near the success that they would have had. You can point to McCutcheon, Gary Cole, whoever else. They were obviously a huge part of that, but uh, without that bullpen, including Jared Hughes, I don't think the Pirates win 95-88-98. Uh, like I said, guys, go to the website right now. You can find Marty's articles there, Nick's articles, articles from the rest of our excellent staff, and much more content as well. Hit us up on social media, at Rumbunter. We thank you guys a ton for getting in those questions for this episode. Always love doing the mailbag. We're going to have some more of these coming up here soon. Maybe not one before the season starts, but we're going to have another mailbag uh, as it gets underway and, and into the season as well, along with the rest of our episodes. Getting some guys on here for interviews. Hope to have a little roundtable uh, once a few prospects get back from Australia and some other guests as well. That's all the time we have for this episode of Rum Bunch Radio. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yanity. You can find our podcasts on all of those sites I just mentioned, uh, as well as omni.com slash rumbunter and on the rumbunter app as well. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go, Bucks. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.